What is up, everyone? Welcome into episode 58 of the Modern Drawing Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from MikesLessons.com, and my co-host will be joining us shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. After Mike and I get all caught up, we will give you one song to listen to that should open your mind to some great drumming. Our featured artist this time is Mr. Charles Haynes. In our gear review section, Mike will be checking out some Turkish symbols, and we'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Bam! Episode 58, right? It is. Episode oh. 58. I've got it all worked out now. Yeah, right. Uh, catching up on, on 100. Hey, real quick, uh, since this ep- or uh, this whole podcast started pretty much uh, from a conversation at NAM, are you guys in NAM prep or do you even have NAM prep? What is that like for you guys? Actually, this year it's going to be pretty simple because we decided not to reserve a booth space. Really? Yeah, so we're just going to be roaming, roaming around. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it's wow. turned out to it just isn't it doesn't benefit us as much as it maybe did in the past to have a booth because we used right. to have people come to our booth and do interviews or just hang out and okay it's just not happening anymore people were yeah. obligated yeah. to go other to other places so we just decided we'll just go to you rather than asking people to come to us oh that sounds great man yeah, so uh, there's yeah, no prep that sucks when somebody says yeah I can definitely do an interview at this time at this location you're like well I can't leave the booth yeah exactly. Know? So, yeah, so it'll be fun. It'll be. I mean, I've been roaming the past three or four years anyway, so it's basically just the same job for me. Just getting all the different manufacturers cool. and seeing what's new and doing all the social media posts and setting up product reviews for the next year. And, right. But there's really no prep, really. It's just kind right. of you know, get our flights and hotel and we're good to go. There you go. I think the prep is more in the calves. You got to you got to really strengthen the calves. <laughs> oh, one thing uh, I will not do is wear Adidas Sambas for Nam. Those were <laughs> didn't terrible. Work out. Well, the, last year our flight got canceled on the way home. Oh, so I didn't. So then we checked out of the hotel. So I had no extra clothes. I had nowhere to put my feet up and rest. So I wore oh. the same socks for like thirty six hours straight. Oh, my feet were on fire. I even went to the in the airport. I was trying to find some socks to buy, and all they had were those super heavy like wool socks. I'm like I can't right. do that. I mean, like, that's only going to make it worse. It was terrible. Like I was miserable. So it's Adidas Samba's no good for for long so walks. So what what is your choice? Are you going with like some nice fluffy New Balances or what are you doing? New Balances don't fit me right. Uh, okay, Saucony's fit fit well. Okay. Um, so I'll probably have a pair of those. And believe it or not, um, Merrell boots. Yep, they're just very okay. comfortable. I'll probably just wear right. those. But yeah, I thought the uh, the soccer shoes would be good for walking five miles a day but they were the worst i'm still still have like a pain in my left foot from that it was like <laughs> shut up i'm serious <laughs> i almost those fell sh- out of my chair <laughs> those shoes suck don't get adidas sambas this oh, show is not, not brought in, to you by yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are not going to be endorsed by adidas uh or adidas as the people overseas say <laughs> well so the Sockneys, now do you go with the really lightweight jazz yeah. model? Okay, yeah. yeah. Those that's, that's, it's pretty much like silk around your foot and yeah. then a big pad on the bottom. Yeah, I've I had a couple of those. four or five pairs of those in the past decade, and I still have a pair I've had for three or four years. I just keep trying other things, but right. you got to come are, back. Those are my home base. That's one of the few pairs of shoes on the planet that is as comfortable on the first day as they are on like you know two years deep. Like, yeah. Right when you put them on, you're like, oh, well, that's gushy. Yeah. So, yeah, man, go with uh, some Saucony Jazz and maybe some Dr. Scholl's gel inserts. <laughs> You'd be sloshing around Nam all all the time. And hopefully this might it be doesn't actually, snow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, stuck. so that's right. There was a huge storm last year. Um, yeah, we got hammered. So that's why you, yeah. The entire East Coast was locked down, and we were... And you're just sitting in the L.A. airport looking at all the sun going... No, Ow. well, we were in Santa Ana, but then we got rebooked to... Of all places, Seattle. So we took oh, like an wow. evening flight to Seattle. So we landed okay. at Seattle like midnight, and then we had a 6 a.m. flight. So we were in Seattle from midnight to 6 a.m. Then oh, we flew goodness. to Minneapolis, which makes perfect sense in the dead of winter to fly to Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah, to the snowiest place <laughs> in the world. And then we made it back to Jersey. So the whole time wow. I was like, I just need a pair of socks. Someone, anyone. <laughs> you know what? And the Seattle airport's great anytime other than midnight to 6 a.m. <laughs> right. Right? It's got, I mean, it's got like a great market. I mean, that place is awesome in the day. But yeah. Yeah. all airports are rough at that time. Are you going to NAM? This might be the first year I'm not going to NAM. Oh, Why? Uh, I just I'm kind of going back to where it was in the uh, you know I, I missed the first as a endorsed artist I probably missed the first ten nams of the time that I could have gone to nam just because I felt 
if there's no reason for me to be there, why be one more person cluttering it up? And I think I'm kind of back in that position. I mean, in, I got asked to judge the Guitar Center drum off, uh, but that's like the week before NAMM. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I'm going to do that. That's just always a, a weird place for me mentally to put myself. I don't really like judging drummers. Yeah. Um, if anything, I kind of speak out against it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, then why are you there? And it's like, well, obviously, it's to, it's for brand association. It's for building yeah. your own personal brand as like, well, I'm, a, I'm one of the judges of the drum off of the finals. But I just don't – I never feel good about it. So – Nothing wrong with that contest or anything like that. I just, it's not how I see the world of art. So I don't want to be part of that. So I turned that down. And then, uh, yeah, it's like, unless there's a need for me to be there, I don't have any signature products coming out. So right. I'd just be one more person kind of walking around going, like, do you need, do you know me? Do you need me to sign your shirt? Like, it's like, why? You know what I mean? Like, um, so you can play all your hot licks, man. Exactly. That's the thing. Is like, I don't, that's the last thing I want to do is like, I'm trying to check out your gorgeous Masters of Maple kit, and then, like, you know, Tim Jackson sits down next to me, and he's like, hey, what's up, man? I went to your same high school, and he tries to rip me to pieces. And he's like, we were friends, remember? And I'm way better than you. And I'm like, you win. You win, Timothy. You're the, you're the fastest. I give up. Like, I just, I don't want to fight people on the drums. So, so yeah, I think uh, last year when I was there, it was day two that I was like, do I really need to ever go here again? Because mm-hmm. I honestly do go with the intent that you go. I go with the intent that saying, I'm going to tell the Mike's Lessons family all about the new gear. I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to do reviews. And I don't. I just walk around, yeah. and, and I, I'm in a, a million different conversations. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I get back, and everybody asks, like, so what, what's the new gear? And I'm like, I, th- I think Gretsch has a snare? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So I, I think I'd rather actually just wait for – I'd rather you do all the work and you yeah. just tell me. <laughs> Keep sending me pictures. What's cool? And then I'll tell my students about it. So Yeah, well, make sure um, everyone is subscribing to the Modern Drummer Instagram because that's where we post all of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So be, absolutely. Be, <clears throat> probably every five, ten minutes there will be some sort of new little – do that. I try to find the stuff that isn't obvious too. Some little right. little trinkets and neat little accessories that that aren't in the huge displays with all the lights. So yeah, I don't know what the exact page is, but you can find it. I think it's modern underscore drummer on Instagram. And that will be our future picks of the week for the, or for the next year. Yeah, right. Will, will be all the little trinkets you find and so. the product reviews. I mean, some of that stuff is just now being released from this past man. Like I'm just oh. getting it, so it takes right. a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right. Well, so I wanted to talk to you about music a little bit. And if you went through your entire music library, which neither of us really have time for, but if you had a drummer in your midst that was just like, Mike Dawson, give me one song to listen to that will open my mind to something new. What would that song be? Now, I know that we both have a million to choose from, but really like just one for now. It's actually perfect timing that you suggested this topic because i've been uh, really getting into um like soloing but not drum solos like how to, okay. how to how to make music on the drums so uh i was going to say glenn kochi monkey chant but we've already kind of talked about that in the past so i'm going to say max roach for big sid which is his mm-hmm. solo drum composition that it's probably the most famous uh, solo drum composition so that's my pick and it's on his album drums unlimited it's been referenced by so many people. I think Neil Peart even quoted it in his drum solo for a few years. Really, um, it's a it's an amazing piece. So you can learn so much by studying that piece. You can learn about song form. You can learn about uh, theme and development. You can learn about just how to compose something that sounds like a melody and not just licks on the drums. Now, is it start to finish just drums, yeah. or is it a solo? Okay, no, it's just a simple piece. It's a it's a A A B A form, and okay. you know the you know the melody. The bigger to go bet. Big it go bet. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So that's the A section and the B section is a little bit more syncopated. So we just keep cycling that form and just playing different uh, phrases over top of each section. It's it's ridiculous and it's based on actually a Big Sid Catlett composition called Mop Mop, which is gotcha. a, a tune for a band. So the, if you check out Mop Mop by Big Sid Catlett, you'll hear how that the original song, which has you know saxophone and, and trumpet and all that on it. So Max took that piece and, and arranged it for solo drum set. Uh, wow. I think it's probably the mo- most important drum solo ever recorded. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Look it at kind you. Of redefined how we play the drum set. No one was doing that wow. stuff before him. To go on really like cool. Carnegie Hall and play an hour by yourself in a tuxedo 
and just yeah. play compositions, actual compositions, not just freeform soloing. Now, is that a track that every time you listen to it, with it, with maybe a year or two gap in between, that you hear something new or you appreciate it more? Or is it something where you feel like each year you're closer to it and it's not as mysterious as it was? Yeah, I guess each time um, I can hear his, his phrasing better. Because okay. when he gets into the solo section, Max is kind of deceptive with his his resolutions and his accents and stuff. They're not always four-bar phrases, even though they kind of sound like they are. And he doesn't always accent on the beat. Sometimes he uses fives, but you don't really – it's not like obvious stuff. Okay. So it's for me, it's taken me – I still probably can't listen to the whole thing and be completely locked into the to the form. Like he loses okay. me at, at places still. Okay. So each time I listen to it, I'm just getting more familiar with his phrasing and just being able to sing the melody while he's soloing and, and try to just maintain it and grab little little patterns that I never have practiced before. Because it's all a lot of short little nuggets of ideas. So you can take one four-bar phrase of his and turn that into six months of, of practice and development. Right. And just learning that piece, just learning how to play it is, I mean, it's super, super valuable. Because there's no licks. There's no, like... There's nothing. Can, there's no blush. Does you you're know? Not, yeah, you're not going <laughs> to steal some chops from it. Yeah, right, it's right, all right. phrasing. It's all melody. Yeah, so that's definitely my pick. And he has dozens of other solo compositions. Drum also waltzes is a great one. Sure. But yeah, for Big Sid, I think is a piece that every drummer should learn how to play. I wow. really think so. That's cool, man. Very cool. Well, I, I look forward to rechecking it out. I'm sure during my early studies, it, it was it was in there and. And like you said, watching other drummers reference it, but uh, I haven't given it the attention uh, like that in a long time. So yeah, Steve I'll go Smith, back to it. Steve Smith did it like yep. pretty famously, uh, but I think no one has touched the the original because it's just weird enough. Max is just weird enough. Like his, right. Steve made it kind of real slick and and like impressive Perfect. and <laughs> and Steve Smith like. Yeah, very very Steve Smith like. Speaking of Steve Smith, so I I. You've been here before, right? Yeah, yep. you were here. You did a lesson here. So above us, we have Karen's Bakery, and it's it's uh, it's in our building, and it's packed twenty four seven. It's like if you are going to cycle on a bike anywhere in Sacramento, you're going to end up at Karen's Bakery in Old Town Folsom. Okay. It's just the place. the The bike trail goes from Davis to Sacramento. I mean, it's it's literally like a sixty mile bike trail, and it it spits you out, out like at our building, pretty much. Luckily, we're hidden, so nobody <laughs> comes up and is like, hey, can I get some drum lessons? <laughs> but anyway, so I'm at Karen's Bakery, and, and we've been here now in our building. We've been here for almost seven years, so we're very familiar with all the employees there. So this lady, Julie, comes out, and she's just this – she's a waitress. She's been there for a long time, but she's uh, this beautiful, poised woman. Like everyone thinks she owns the bakery. She Everyone thinks she's Karen because she just – you know, she's 5'11 and stands perfectly straight. And you can bounce fruit on her head when she comes out. She's just the most posh woman. So she comes out and she and and she's so posh that she's all about manners, right? Just And she grabs my arm. And I'm like, okay, I've known you for six years. You've never touched a human in this restaurant. And she goes, Mike, I went and saw the Doobie Brothers last night. I was like, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, but now you just fell into that realm of music I don't care about at all. And, and then, luckily, she said, I don't care about them. And I was like, okay. And she goes, but they played with Journey. Yeah. And I, and I, I already knew where it was going. And I was yeah. like, and the drummer was amazing. And she's like, oh, my God. And, you know, she doesn't know anything about drums. She just knows that I play below them and make tons of noise. And she's like, I've never seen anything like that. I'm like, was he, was he bald? And she goes, yes. And I'm like, that's he's very good. His name is Steve Smith. And she's like, I've never experienced anything like that. So later... I have the campers up there uh, like a couple days later and we're sitting there and I'm like, hey, Julie, uh, tell the guys about the drummer you saw. And obviously, she, you know, she doesn't know that they're all going to know who this guy is. Yeah. And she's like, I went and saw Journey and everybody shouts Steve Smith. <laughs> and she's like, how do you guys know? And I'm, I'm like trying to explain to her. I'm like, even in my nerd drum world, he's very famous and he's really good. Yeah, he's um, almost like a. Carmelo Anthony or something like that. Right. Like, it's a, Yeah, like LeBron James. Like You can go to France and say LeBron James and people are like, I don't know what he does, but I do know that name. Yeah. And yeah, so it was really cool that, you know, I don't know what he's doing out on the road with Journey right now. I haven't seen him play with Journey, um, the new version of him playing with Journey. But uh, it's really cool that a non-drummer freaked out over it. I mean, she was so excited. She doesn't yeah. know anything about licks or independence or chops. She was like, I don't know. 
who he is, but the bald dude's really good. They give him, I mean, it's just the classic 70s style. They give him a full-on drum solo every night. So I think it'd be hard to not be like, no, that drummer was pretty darn good. He didn't suck. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing like an eight-minute solo. That's awesome. Very (laughs) cool. All right. Well, if I could give my my friends and my drumming compadres one song to listen to, uh, I was going to go with Vultures by John Mayer because mm-hmm. I just think that it's uh, it's really hard to do that. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we've talked about it before. Was it a One Headlight? Yeah. By, uh, no crash. Same type of thing, yeah. right? Just stay there. But um, and I think that you could from Vultures, you could actually learn a million lessons about drum tones. That's like mm-hmm. the most perfect drum tone for that moment. But I obviously wanted to go a little more drum nerd. So the one song I th- that I think I always show somebody when I ask them, do you listen to Fusion? You know, I don't show them Chick Corea Electric Band stuff. I don't show them Dave Weckl, you know, um, stuff. I always show them uh, Johnny Swing by Charisma. And oh, it's wow. uh, Vinnie Caliuta. It's live. Bruh. I don't know it. Bruh? No, I'm just telling you. <laughs> Wait. I, I If someone at Modern Drummer needs to call me and say, what did you do to my managing editor? He won't work. All he's doing is listening with earbuds. <laughs> it, it'll change your life. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Everything that I attribute to liking Vinnie Caliuta is in this slow, almost fusion ballad. It's the most aggressive drumming you'll ever hear in a ballad. It's the most delicate drumming you'll ever hear in a ballad. Uh, he pushes and pulls time. He shows you figures that he'll play. It might be a right, left, left kick, and he'll play it once as four 16th notes, followed by four quintuplets leading into 16th note triplets and then resolving with an extra mm. note. It's everything that we obsess over Vinny of. It's, instead of having to listen to a lick, it's all in one song. Um, because when you do the Sting version of Vinny, you have to fast forward to two minutes and 18 seconds, yeah. and there's that Vinnyism. Yeah. This is nonstop, and it's like the slowest, slowest blues ballad shuffle fusion thing ever. So it's like really cool that he's doing it in this because it's not a burning Mike Stern tune. Uh, What's the name of the know? record? Do you know? Uh, I can look. Oh, it I up. found it. It's um, it might be even self-titled. I'm not sure. They spell the band name so strangely. Document. The album is called Document. Okay. Right? Johnny Swing. That's it. And Charisma is K-A-R-I-Z-M-A. Yes. Charisma. And I have spent many of nights in a car with another man listening to that song. And if anybody drove by, they were like, those two dudes are about to do something weird. And I'm like... And we're just staring into each other's eyes. I'm like, do you hear that stuff? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's crazy. So I, I love that song. I've, I've sat in a room with Benny Greb and listened to that song. Uh, I mean, I actually, the, the 21 Drums Camp, I just made them all listen to it and wanted to see Ash and Mark's reaction because I knew they hadn't heard it. Because it's just a little bit more off the beaten path than most of Vinny's stuff that we all know about. So Now, is this uh, something that you would be slightly embarrassed to play for your non-drummer fans, uh, friends? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a little yeah, because little fusion it's flicky. It's a little fusiony. Yeah, I mean, but it's still pretty good. It doesn't get fusion nerdy at all. I think the only uh, nerds part of it is the drumming. Actually, like the the song is very pretty. It's a, it's a nice song, but man, I don't know how Vinny gets away with everything he did without ruining the song. It's uh, the dude has yeah, perfect he, time. Oh. I mean, I think that's what it comes down yeah. to for Vinny. I mean, I've heard. Numerous producers say that you can turn the click track off and that guy does not change. I mean, I think if you have perfect time, you can play whatever the hell you want to play because it doesn't matter. (laughs) It's going to be perfectly in time. You know, one thing he does that I can't I can't even imagine doing, especially in a in a recording is he he can do the crescendo single stroke roll without keeping time with his left foot. So there's no timekeeper. But it's not in a time where the band is playing. So the band just lays out with a whole note and he goes and still nails the one. Yeah. But it went up, then down, and then crashed with no bass drum. But it was right. It's like I I would have to keep quarter notes with my left foot with the hi-hat. Like something has to keep time when I'm playing. Because I don't know about you, but my single stroke roll isn't tied to a, a subdivision. It's me literally going as fast as I can. Yeah. 
I, singles. I would have guessed that he probably has a subdivision going on. I think he's just I'm sure he does in his head. I yeah. just couldn't do it without actually hearing my own pulse. I right. would have to keep time with my left foot. Um, and even then, I'd still rush or drag it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's incredible, man. I, I hope that uh, when we get off the podcast, give it a listen and then just text me back. Um, and if it doesn't have an exclamation point, don't even bother texting me back. I don't want to hear it from you. <laughs> the name of the track again was Johnny Blues? No, Johnny. Uh, I think it's Johnny's Swing. Johnny's Swing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our featured artist. Our featured artist, artist this time is Charles Haynes. And I got to admit, until I researched him this morning, I knew nothing about him. I saw him play a couple solos that were pretty easy to find on YouTube and just another one of those uh, amazing musicians that happened to play drum set. So, yeah, and I didn't know him before I read the oh, really? of the story. Yeah, no. He's, <laughs> oh, wow. He, we were just talking about that in a meeting the other day, that we're in this interesting era of anonymous but absolutely amazing drummers that are doing so much work. But there's like, I think there's this void because we're in this kind of, I mean, I have to say it's just kind of this terrible pop world where the only people you know is the one out front dancing and lip syncing. But they all employed the most incredible musicians in their band and just shove them behind, you know, maybe they'll get a little bit of a feature. But, I mean, how many people saw Spanky when he played with Lady Gaga? Actually could see him. Oh, I mean, he's probably hidden the whole time. And that's one of the best drummers in the world. Yep. So we're in one, I think we're just in this strange era. Like, it's hard for drummers to discover new heroes. Because how do you know who's who and who's playing with who and... And Charles, I mean, his his resume is crazy. Kanye West, Lady Gaga, Ed Sheeran, Queen Latifah, Michelle and Cello, Marcus Strickland, the jazz saxophonist, Marcus Miller. I mean, Queen Latifah. Boy, I mean, it's just crazy. Dude, and the fact that you just went from some of the most simple pop artists in the world to some of the most complicated jazz fusion artists in the world yeah. just tells you everything you need to know about this guy. Yeah, but it's like, how would you ever know who it is? They probably don't introduce him on stage. He probably right. doesn't get any credit in the program or whatever. So it's a strange period, and we're, we're struggling with, well, how do we deal with that? Because there's so many great drummers that no one is yeah. asking about because they don't know who they are. Well, and the only way you would know about it is if that drummer had enough time off to promote themselves. And then once you fell in love with their drumming, then you snap a picture of you on stage with Lady Gaga. And yeah. then it's almost like you're the one as the drummer nowadays that you have to tell everyone what's going on because you just get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, and then you get worried about getting fired because you're bringing too much attention to yourself. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's a strange world. I, mean, I think the last time I remember a drummer just standing out without – completely kind of unintentionally was when um, Aaron Spears just was playing yes. on TV with Usher and, and just – killed it and they gave him a yeah. surprising amount of airtime on tv yeah we actually uh, we were literally having people call and email like who was that drummer that's the last time that's happened yeah and that I was think years the, ago yeah i remember feeling that way about about aaron when he played caught up uh and i felt that way about taylor hawkins on the mtv video awards when he played um you ought to know by alanis morissette or right. with alanis and i just had never seen a pop drummer. I'd never seen a, a pop artist use a rock drummer, you mm-hmm. know, and he was hitting like he was in uh, the Deftones. Yeah. And yeah, I remember that so, too. But at least yeah. he was like, it was a band. It was presented like this is totally. Alanis Morissette in her band. Now it's everything yeah. is just so clouded with props and lighting that well, you don't even know if there's a real drummer back there. They could be no. just air drumming. And I, I've seen some bands on the club circuit who the drummer is not actually doing anything. He's back right. there playing, he's like fake drumming. Right, playing right, on right. pads, or I've seen keyboard players who just have a piece of wood and there's not actually a keyboard there. <laughs> They're just playing the tracks. Oh, that's awesome! I mean, it's like I did. I told you, hell? I went. I went to see Taylor Swift with Amber, and you know, obviously, even though I'm there for her, I'm still soaking in any ounce of musicianship I can find. I have no idea who played drums. I never even saw them. Yeah, I think that's you know? Matt Billingsby, and he's great. Sure, but maybe he's... he is. I, how would I know? Like. <laughs> Because, like you said, they didn't even go to that, okay, we're in the ninth song. Let's introduce the band. Let's thank them. You know, it's like she brought out Cindy Crawford. That was cool. She brought yeah. out Joan Baez, but she never introduced the damn drummer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, mean, I don't want to uh, get Matt in trouble, but, I mean, we've tried to do stories on him, and it came down to management not allowing him to do anything. Wow. Like, they just don't want – I don't know. Maybe that, yeah. I'm, I'm misspeaking, but it, it seemed like 
they don't want their band doing anything that draws attention to themselves. It's all about Taylor Swift. I think, to me, if I was in their management, my fear would be that you slip in a question about Taylor that becomes actual news because he knows the ins and outs. He knows yeah. what time her boyfriend <laughs> so showed up. Does she actually sing on stage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Number one that's, question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I would be scared of if I was management. You know. Uh, yeah, but they would know we're a magazine about drummers. We don't really care about the artist you're playing yeah. with. All they know is you're you're in this thing called press, and they <laughs> that drummer is not. They can't imagine that the drummer could be smart enough to like keep his job by saying the right thing at the right time. Yeah. They're like, drummer, you stay over there. I don't know what that round rubber thing is that you keep hitting with your sticks, but just keep doing that. <laughs> That's too bad. Well, hopefully, I mean, I remember uh, someone very similar gig wise, but maybe a decade ago for me was Billy Ashbaugh. Like I was like, oh, yeah. bro, you're playing with sync. I want to see you play drum set. And luckily he actually did start doing a lot of teaching and we got to see him, but it wasn't while he was doing the sync thing. It was after. Um, so yeah, I mean, back to Charles Haynes, I think that when I, I, I do feel the same as you, I get a little bummed when I read his, his credits and realize is this on me? Like, how did I not know who this guy was? Right, right. I, I have the, I, you know, I mean, I have these albums and, you know, or I've seen that person play live, um, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it comes down to also some of those cats, because I've talked to them, um, they just don't care about what their status is in the drum world. They care yeah. about their next gig. That's yeah. all they're focused on. I mean, That's I can't imagine. really. What's that? That's all it's important, really. I mean, if you yeah. get caught up in, in becoming the most endorsed drummer in the world, that does not going to do squat for you in the long run. Nope. Absolutely. No, I, I think, and if we go back to probably their heroes, I don't think Tony Williams and Max Roach were thinking about how many drummers know who I am. Well, maybe Tony did, but I don't think <laughs> Max, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think a lot of these guys were just like, what's, what's my next chance to make a musical statement? Yeah. You know, uh, Mark is definitely stuck in the middle of that right now, where he's become quite the name in the drum world, but it's just not what he cares about. You know, yeah. he 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 is thinking like, bro, I'm out with you know Schofield and Brad Meldo, <laughs> yeah, and then I just took a picture with Herbie Hancock. Like, that's what he cares <laughs> about. You know, uh, so so I, it is a it is a different world, and I think like you said, maybe these people existed 20 years ago, but. We just weren't inundated with millions. It feels like millions of drummers a day. Every time I scroll down through any f- social media feed, it's one more guy that's doing things I'll never be able to do, and I've never even heard of him. And I'm like, geez. Yeah, and I think Charles has been around for a number of years because he did the um, Kanye West tour in 2008. So he's been wow. he's been top of the game of the game for for a while. So. I think he's um, definitely one everyone should investigate. Check him out. I mean, there has to be. A, the reason why he's getting hired so much and we can all learn yeah. from him. The story is, is really great. He talks about the challenges of working with Lady Gaga and Kanye and then he gets into the more of the jazz stuff and how he applies that stuff to, to jazz, the pop kind of right. stuff to jazz. He's playing with triggers and things like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He's got a very uh, modern kit while doing this jazz stuff. I mean, he's I watched a solo of him this morning with uh, probably either a 20 or 22, but 10 inch rack, side snare, Roland, you know, sample pad, 16 inch floor tom. Yep. Uh, so yeah, but but what I like is he is in that era of drummers that I've always loved, which is I can't nail you down. You're just yeah. a drum set professional because. Yep. I just saw this clip of you and Kanye, and then you're at you know the Blue Note, and then it's like yeah. drum set professional, like Brian Blade. Like I love when I saw Brian Blade do all of that uh, Black Dub stuff. Yeah, I was like, uh, he's he's as good at this as Matt Chamberlain is. Yeah, yeah. But he's playing with Joshua Redman doing stuff that no one can do. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I love uh, professional drummers, and Charles Haynes is definitely that. By the way, do you know, or does it? I don't want you to have to scan the whole article, but do you know if he's on any of these albums, or if, is he just the touring drummer for these people? Well, he does a fair amount of producing, too. So I think some of his okay. credits are, are probably more listed as producing. Okay. That's probably cool. the lesson to be learned. Is he's, he, his drums are his instrument, but he probably makes his bread and butter by producing. Nice. He knows well, music. Yeah, I mean, literally, you can just go to Google or even YouTube itself and just type in Charles Haynes 
comma drummer and you're going to find a bunch of stuff and uh very very cool very cool so great player all right well let's get into a little candy uh we are back in turkey again yeah this time turkish symbols by the way turkish is a company for those of you that were ever confused like me i was like i love turkish symbols and people were like oh you're a fan of the company, I'm like, I didn't know there was a company. I meant I like symbols made in Turkey. This company is called Turkish. I mean, how brilliant. If you Google Turkish symbols, you're going to get this company. <laughs> First. First. I did. <laughs> I did this morning. Yeah, it worked. Simple uh, and brilliant. Yeah, very cool. So, uh, so Turkish symbols. And then this is the JC Soundscape series. Please break that down for yeah, me. Yeah, they're, they're designed by or designed with this uh, – kind of world experimental percussionist jared cagwin who who plays a lot in europe and all over uh, you know the middle east and he does a lot of I mean, he's kind of a percussionist slash drummer so he needed stuff that was that he could kind of get more sound effects and more kind of textural sounds and also not be super loud and control because he's playing a lot of times with like indian drummer indian percussionists and stuff so most of it is designed to be not your average ride cymbal, not your average hi-hats. The hi-hats are, I think they're completely unlathed, and um, they have rivets in them. Super thin. Yeah, these are some nasty, I mean, this is, uh, yeah, some nasty, Super nasty raw. stuff. And I think they sent, um, they call them snake hi-hats because they had the sizzles. So they sent 12, 13s, and 14s, and the 12s were really cool. Really? I put those over the center of the kit, kind of where you would put a, a splash, yep. like a, in a traditional spot. That was a lot of fun. The ride is probably the most sort of normal, but it's very, very dry. There's almost no sustain. It's got a ton of rivets in it. Um, You're talking about the snake ride. The snake ride. Yep. Yep. That is something I would actually gig with and not feel like it was a little bit too abstract. Um, The flat ride, the precision flat ride is like the driest. Like it made me thirsty (laughs) playing the thing. (laughs) Now, real quick, on on the snake ride... Do you know of a lot of symbols that have what is this five six seven eight like nine rivets all around the outer edge? I haven't really seen that. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean back in back in like Art Blakey's common? day, it was kind of that was Art Blakey sound. Really? It was, okay, it's almost like a trash can kind of ride yeah. symbol sound. Yeah, so it had kind of that Art Blakey like from the fifties kind of ride, which is pretty okay. gnarly. You could almost consider it like a swish kind of a China ride or something. But I liked it. I liked that one a lot. I liked the the hi hats were cool. You didn't really hear the rivets unless you opened them. So closed, okay, they just sure. sound like thin, dark hi hats. So it wasn't like having jingle rings, you know? Yeah, not at all. Okay, but you couldn't get like a real clean, open sound. It was always kind of dirty, which was kind of cool. neat. I like cool. That. Yeah, I like it. I like that. Um, the fourteen inch arid crash. I think that is the one. Is that flat? No, that's a real thin crash. Kind of more like a splash. The satellite bells were really kind of fun and funny because they're like tiny little flat rides so you could hit them like as hard as you want with a 2b stick and you're going to get like a (laughs) really (laughs) did you get the water crash yeah those are weird those are okay because now let me ask you this because i'm looking on their website and it's definitely not perfectly round (laughs) no they're loose man they hang they hang like uh they call them crashes but they're really like wind gongs with, okay. with like a okay. hole in the middle, you can put it on a stand. It, they were designed to be a portable gong. I got you. Oh, so I thought there was literally a, like a a glitch in the website, but I think they're showing me like a string. Like you mean you actually hang it? No, you could put it on a cymbal stand. You oh, could okay. hang okay. it. You could hang it. I mean, that's huh. what these are. Again, these are experimental cymbals. Wow, they can be used cool on, stuff, in a drum man. set, or you can use them with your percussion. So you can hit them with your hands. Like those crashes, if you just tap them with your index finger, you're going to get like a pretty cool gongy sound. Yeah, pretty neat. And if you really lay into them, they they kind of become this huge wash. I actually man. took them to a gig where kids were sitting in, and the 18 inch water crash was like. It assaulted the world when he hit that. Right. <laughs> but I, I mean, I like them. They're fun. I mean, it's not like something you would take to your, you know, your regular pop band gig. But they're really good with mallets. So it's kind of like if you're into sound design and just getting some weird stuff. Those are cool. Uh-huh. cool. The china actually was the the really um, most amazing piece in the whole series. The Karubaran china. Is that what it's called? Karu Karuburan. I'm going to stop talking. (laughs) Karuburan, China. It's a very powerful 
Oh, okay. I got it. Yeah, it's named yeah. after a powerful wind that blows from the Gobi Desert across Central Asia. Yeah, and it, it was it was cool because it's it's definitely drier and less trashy than your typical China. So mm. I loved it. I that's something I'm going to start using a lot on sessions because you can really? get that okay. China kind of sound without it just being so loud and abrasive. So it's back to going to like the Wuhan, like the twenty dollars you have to pay two hundred dollars to get a twenty dollars. Yeah, exactly. I got it. It's better than it's definitely because you can ride on of it course. too. You can get like nice, nice ride sound. It, it's a cool symbol and the splashes they were really nice. I, I very rarely have a need for splashes, but the seven inch was really cool. Lob. I don't know what those letters are. L. Oh, something that looks like a bee. Yeah, it refers to the most fragile rock found on the planet because <laughs> I'm looking at their website right now. So I'm going to pretend like I'm smart. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a cool series. I mean, I, I had a lot of fun just setting up random uh, selections and just trying to play solos yeah. that use them. So what I did for I the could, uh, demo was I picked the ones I liked the best and okay. just kind of improved. I can only imagine something this unique changes the way you play. You're not going to play yeah, exactly. what you normally play. You're going to let the gear dictate what kind of art comes out, which is – isn't that cool? Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's I love just them. awesome. You could put the that's splashes so cool. on your on the snare because the splash is like six inches. You could put that on your snare and still have plenty of real estate to, yeah. to play roles and stuff. So they're awesome, definitely man. creative. They're definitely unique. Um, the, guy, the guy Jared Cagwin did a really great – video on their website that kind of shows more in like a like a soundtrack kind of application okay they sound really they sound like electronic music it sounds like uh like he programmed a bunch of crazy sounds but it's him like rubbing it with mallets and bows and all kinds of cool stuff and they even filmed it in film noir black and white yeah and my demo is me just doing my whatever fusion-y kind of drum set (laughs) approach well i think it'll be just fine let's give it a listen question time so the first one is from joe he's saying he's recently just stuck some moon gels and buzz kills on his cymbals at home to see how it affects the sound it's pretty good in terms of quietening the cymbal which makes it great for not annoying his neighbors but he's wondering if restricting the cymbal in this way uh, could possibly damage the cymbal he says he can can tell that it's firmer but he's wondering if they could lead to cracking in the future and he does have a uh, follow-up as well but we'll answer that one first Okay, well, my thought on that is one thing that I've noticed when people mute their drums down but don't want to be muting their drums down is they hit their drums harder to get back to the volume they would have been if they didn't mute their drums down. (laughs) Right. So 
if you put the buzzkill or the the moon gel on your symbol and then you also hit it lighter, it's going to be fine. But if you bash on the symbol to get it back to the volume it was at before you muted it, then I, I could see it actually restricting its natural ability to to flex with the hit and to vibrate and shake off that that punishment that's coming. Because um, I feel the same thing. I'm sure you've done it. I mean, on a, on a ride, it's no big deal. I don't really feel it that much. I don't bash on my ride that much. But when I put it on a 20-inch crash, like he said, it gets a lot stiffer. Yeah. And if you're going to hit that crash harder to get back to the volume you were already at, uh, you know, or or if you make the mistake and practice with with custom molded in ears, and you aren't hearing your drums, you'll just keep hitting harder and harder until you do hear them. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's um, real. So I think if it may, if you're making an artistic statement or a practice statement, I think you're going to be just fine. But if you do it thinking like, oh, I'm going to get that cool tone, but now it's much quieter, so I have to hit it harder. I do think you'll damage the cymbal. Yeah, and I think if if you're going for sound control and not for a, a special effect, you should probably check out those Zildjian um, low volume cymbals because they yeah. sound like cymbals, but they only get so loud, and you can wail on them. They're 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 designed to kind of take it. Yeah. Uh, I only put moon gel and stuff on cymbals if I'm just hearing some kind of a frequency that's just bothering me, mostly right. for recording. I don't I don't tend to. Tape, I'll tape them down on a gig if maybe the ride is too washy. If I brought the wrong symbol, I'll right. I'll tape it up to give me a little bit more articulation. But I don't do it to quieten the symbol. For me, that means yeah. you got the wrong symbol or uh, play lighter. That that's just would be what I would do. Yeah. But I don't know if it'll break. I've never broken knock on wood. I've never broken a symbol um, from playing it. So, well, the other thing too is just from being a, a child that grew up in a suburban neighborhood with neighbors everywhere no one ever complained about my cymbals they only complain about the bass drum so oh yeah the cymbal frequencies are not running through your walls into the neighbor's living yeah, room right the bass drum is <laughs> literally unstoppable yeah <laughs> so so you know if you're doing it for the neighbors but like uh there's a song on benny greb's bass bass brass band album called hot dog and he's clearly got all of his cymbals gaff taped all to heck and and it's a very cool effect. Yeah. Um, and it tightens up the whole band and everything. So if you're going for that, cool, man. But I, I think just make sure that you're not hitting harder to get back to the volume you were at before you uh, muffled them down. His, his and follow, what's the follow-up? Yeah, the follow-up was, what's the most creative or adventurous you've ever gotten with cymbals uh, outside of using ones that are cut differently to get special effects? I mean, <sighs> I I think for me, it's those Jared Kag ones. That's about as crazy as I've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. I don't do a lot of stacking. I don't do a lot of uh, specialty kind of stuff i just find a symbol i like and use it as it's yeah. designed i'm kind of with you man i mean i think the only thing i did realize was and this is from a modern drummer festival and i, I know that i reference modern drummer festivals a lot guys you just have to understand it was my only outlet to see new players when i was a kid uh so those videos really meant the world to me i watched them every day <laughs> and um when I saw Bill Stewart play with a ride that had a huge chunk out of it, I just oh, hadn't yeah. seen that. I was a kid. How would I know? And his ride sounded fantastic. So I actually was always like I, I couldn't wait to crack one of my rides so that I could then – and I, I just – I had an imaginary welding friend in my head that somehow I'm going to take this symbol to metal shop at school and be like, can you weld out a chunk? But it, it never happened. But I always wanted that. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. how did he get that – what do you do? I guess maybe you just know someone at Zildjian and you're like, can you? I think that was a Nodar Road uh, repair. It cracked and Nodar's a New York, I don't know, I guess he's still around. Really? But he's a New York uh, drum builder repair guy. So he would take cracked K's from people and make them usable by cutting, you know, like routing out the crack. I'm pretty wow. sure that was one of his well, repairs. Well, it, it sounded fantastic, and it was, you know, the, the only thing I've done crazy with cymbals actually wasn't for sound. It was for the exact opposite. It was for no sound. And when I recorded or when I shot my first, like, major label MTV video uh, back in the 90s, they the producer immediately told me, whatever cymbals you have, you need to order another set today and get them here before we shoot the video because – we need two symbols on every stand. Of They need to be replicas so they fit perfectly. And now all of your symbols will be completely muted. And you can hit as hard as you want, and it won't affect the playback at all. Um, so if you I'll, – I'll, someday <laughs> I'll send – That's good the, for them. <laughs> yeah. So, and good for my freaking bloody hands, man. You know how heavy that is? I had 20-inch crashes. So now I've got 
40 inches of metal that I'm trying to make it move like I'm hitting hard. Um, but yeah, I'll show you the video uh, sometime and you can see like I'm muscling out everything I can just to make it make the crashes move because they're 10 pounds a piece. But in, sure enough, they were dead silent, man. So yeah, so the, uh, yeah, I just remembered when I was in middle school, maybe or high school, I had a bunch. I used to go to pawn shops and buy whatever symbols they had. Usually they're like brass pieces of crap. And there right, was right. like a, uh, I guess Pearl had like imprinted brass symbols mm-hmm. at one point. So yep. I had a, I think it was a 16 inch crash that was so thin that it would just invert by its, you know, when you played it. So yeah. I eventually just kept kept it inverted, flipped it upside down, and used it as a china. Yeah. And then one of my drummer friends fell in love with it and bought it from me. No way. Like inverted. He wanted to, he wanted that exact that sound. I think oh, I paid like so 20 cool. bucks for this piece of junk. So that's about <laughs> as that's about as extreme as I've gone. That was fun. All right. Next question. All right. Next one is from Garrett. Um, is there an ideal tempo for playing to get levels both in the studio and live i would assume that you'd lose tone beyond a certain bpm that's a great question wow and it's something i don't think we think about or anyone has ever really discussed enough i know greg bissonette covers it in his musical drummer video i think you need to play basically the back in black tempo something that's mid-tempo make sure you're hitting all the drums evenly make sure you go around the toms with just single notes not multiple yeah. notes Right, and make sure you're playing at the volume that you're going to gigging with because it's it's very uncomfortable to be up there sound checking and cracking rim shots at full volume. But you kind of need yeah. to do that because otherwise they're going to they might set the gates to the gates and the compression could be all all jacked up. So right, mid tempo for me live mid tempo and at the volume that you're going to be playing in the studio. Um, you know, I don't, I don't. It's the same thing, exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah, I think that it comes down to, like you said, it comes down to playing how you're going to play and being, making sure that, that you don't scare the heck out of them uh, when you count in the first song. And it's like, man, that's not the volume you checked at. And now I have to yeah. remix the whole thing. So, um, and I'll warn the sound guy. <clears throat> if, it, if it's a studio, it's a little different. But if it's live, I'll tell the sound guy, like, hey, man, in this project, I, I really, really hit. So bring everything way down and I'll just go ahead and do it for you. Yeah. Um, and also, don't don't try to be a stud. You know, like everyone when they say snare wants to hit their snare. When you're a kid, you hit it as hard as you can to show <laughs> off your 14 by nine brass. It's like just hit it how you're going to hit it, so they can adjust everything properly. Um, and but yeah, that's about it for me. Yeah, cool. Nice. Uh, let's see, we've got two more here, I think. So um, this one's from Ben. He says he's curious of what um, hardware software recommend recommendations he would have for someone who is getting interested in writing and producing music without learning to how to play the other instruments. Um, he also doesn't want to spend oh. an arm and a leg. He's currently using an old MacBook from 2009 and GarageBand. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's looking to upgrade. He just doesn't know how far to upgrade. Um, if you're a Mac guy, I would say get an iMac and get Logic uh because you can get it along with your Mac for just a couple hundred extra bucks, and Logic is what a lot of top producers and engineers are yeah. using. So you don't have to, and it it basically is GarageBand, just the full version. So I would just do that. Comes with all the instruments, all the the MIDI power, all the multi editing, loops, and you can get great drum sounds. It comes with tons of plugins. You don't need to worry about buying other stuff. So that's what I would get: a new iMac and Logic, and that's probably what I'm going to be doing here shortly as well. Really. Yeah, I've got a 2006 MacBook, believe it or not. All right, we're, we'll start a, a GoFundMe campaign. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you a sweet rig. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm with you. I mean, I don't do that kind of stuff, so I'll let you be the expert on this one. Does your Mixcraft have software instruments? Yeah. Are they, yeah. Are if they if you get the, they're really good actually. Uh, the and the loops are all. Even though they sound like real instruments, they're all MIDI based. You can slow them down, speed them up, put all of your effects on it. I've actually been doing that. You know, did you get to see the the full hip hop thing that Aaron Sterling did? Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing that. I've been taking the loops that they have in there. They'll have a piano loop, and I put maybe a pitch shifter on it or an octaver on it, cool. and instantly it's really hip and dark and trip hoppy. Nice. And so yeah, I. As as much fun as I make of Mixcraft, it actually isn't that bad of a program. It's just not one of the industry standards. But yeah. the the interface is so easy. It, it is it's it's PC's GarageBand, you know. So, right. but yeah, it, if you get the pro version, it comes with with like gigs of loops and uh, virtual instruments. So. Yeah, 
pretty much any doll I think now is going to have because they all they all chase each other. So everyone right. now has Ableton Live's features, and everyone now has Pro Tools features, and everyone right. has Logic's features. So it's kind of whatever whatever you're comfortable. That's why I say stick in the Mac world, stick in the GarageBand Logic world, and you won't have to relearn a whole interface. There you go. Um, all right, last one, Colby. He says, uh, oh, we've mentioned transcribing music before. He wants to know what software we would recommend to write or generate music for technical drum set parts. Oof, uh, man. Uh, well, what do you use? We use Finale here okay. at the magazine. It, it's, it was, I think it might have been one of the first like legit notation programs. Yeah. So we just stuck with it because this is what we use, and I learned it in college. I mean, I had to take two semesters of, of Finale just in college to understand it so it's very powerful it does way more than you would ever need for drum set i mean it's designed to yes. do full symphony orchestra scores yeah um, but it's not super difficult to learn liar but you just have to spend time with the manual <laughs> you just have to dude that thing bro you just have to spend time with you it. you do get it that like i understand a great deal of astrophysics and i'm starting to crack the code on string theory and finale is impossible you are a liar you just admitted that you had to go to school for it. Well, to, that's I mean, insane. I could, yeah, I could give <laughs> you a, a tutorial in five minutes. The, the problem with Finale, yeah. maybe the new version has it. They, it didn't come with a drum set template that was actually the, the standard that we all use. Right. So no, I had to create a custom template with the, the proper X's in the right spots. But once I did that, and I just used the um, the MIDI feature, so you just hold the. You know, so if you want the snare drum, you hold down the note on your keyboard that makes the snare drum sound, and then you can use the number pad on your keyboard for the different notes. So six is a quarter note, five is a oh my a god eighth note, done. Don't, I don't even. That's not done. I don't even <laughs> have a keyboard. You know, you're uh, well. That's your first oh, problem. Get a oh, keyboard. <laughs> no, I've I've tried, man. I'm not playing. Um, no, I I agree. I mean, I've used. Um, and just for you guys, I think they do make a slightly simpler version, right? Finale Notepad. Yeah, um, I've not messed with it. I assume it's probably more frustrating than than easier. I'm not sure. I, I yeah, my thought was always just whatever features you take out, that's going to be better for the drummer because um, <laughs> I just don't need all that stuff. Uh, for me, honestly, uh, I've I've really been using the GrooveScribe lately, and that is free, so I'm not trying to promote it at all, even though it lives on MikeSlessons.com. Lou Montuli built it f just so that we could transcribe stuff. The only thing I would say, we do have mixed subdivisions now, which is something we didn't have. The only thing I would say is it, it really is not meant to be writing scores or anything like that. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do like about it, and we are getting ready to add new drum sets so that you can have uh, Matt Halpern's samples from his Get Good Drum stuff. You can have jazz kits. Um, be great even to have a, a Mike Dawson kit. You send us your favorite samples and we'll make yeah, the Mike Dawson right. kit. But but uh, it, it works. I would say that's more for me. That's a an eight bars and under tool. Yeah, I think it's great for that. I don't think it's great. It's not meant to be something where you're writing scores or writing entire pieces. But one thing I do like about it is you can see all the notes and you can hear them and you can change them so easily and you really hear it in real time with the dynamics and everything. And you can and you can notate the ghost notes. You can notate the yeah. accents and all that stuff. I have a Finding question ghost about notes, it. Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, two questions. One, can you do more than two toms? Right now, no, it's but yes, we, we'll be able to. It's rack and floor, and but we'll other, definitely be able to. The other question, I was, uh, I was teaching a guy the the beat to Love Supreme, and I was like, let me just pull up GrooveScribe, and I'll notate it, and I'll I'll make a PDF of it. But yeah, I couldn't find a way to make a PDF. You have to press print. But then it, it's like looking for an error printer or something like that. Oh, well, you can, well you'd have to have um, – so I use Qt PDF, but you have to have something installed on your computer that prints to PDF. I was so, on my phone. Oh, okay. And so, and what did you want to do? You wanted to send it to him as a PDF? Yeah, because it was sending it to him mm -hmm. as a link, which is fine, but I right. wanted to just send him the image so he could open Just the it notation. Up. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, well, one thing you could do is you could just press view mode, and that'll take all the dots away, and it's just the notation. So we have edit mode is what it launches in, and then if you just press view mode, it'll get rid of all the dots, and now it's just notation. So you could obviously just... Uh, take a picture of your phone of, oh, of that right. screen capture. Um, and send yeah screen capture that but that's a good point we could i don't think it'd be very hard for lou to program in a thing to say okay if you're on a mobile device how can we turn this into a pdf yeah. so 
good good thing to add. So right, cool. hopefully that helps, my friend. Um, all right, now it's time for pick of the week. And my pick of the week is, I, I promise I'm not in the middle of a Modern Drummer love fest, but this is a book by um, the man that started the company, Ron Spagnardi. And uh, it's called The Great Jazz Drummers. Oh, yeah. And uh, when you get it, it looks very like it was written probably in the 80s. Um, yep. I don't Nineteen ninety two, late eighties. But it has the it but one thing that I love about it is there are other books, there are DVDs about the great jazz drummers. They're so in depth that each one of them literally is a, is almost like a lifetime study and it's it's too much for me to handle. one thing that you're gonna freak out about this is each page is a picture and and a synopsis of that drummer, and that's it. And you get, and you really get like a snapshot of like, oh, that's what made Chick Webb so great. And this starts, uh, first drummer on here is. It might be Chick uh, Webb. It's uh, Arthur Singleton. Oh, Zooty. Zooty Singleton, yeah. And then it goes to Baby Dodds, uh, George Wetling, Sonny Greer. um, And and then it, it goes through all the jazz greats. And I think, let's see who the last guy is. Steve Gadd, Peter Erskine, Smitty Smith, Carl Allen, Kenny Washington, David Weckl, Jeff Tane Watts, and it stops at Jeff Tane Watts. <laughs> yeah, that's a good place yeah. to stop, I think. It is. In 1992. It's a great book if you just want to – when somebody says Baby Dodds, if you just want to have a reference of what the hell they're talking about, this is the book. And I've, I've used this book a lot just to make sure that if I was in a conversation and somebody referenced Kenny Washington, I know what we're talking about. You know, I may not be – I haven't studied his whole life. I don't know the whole discography. But I know that it's a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> I can see his drum set. The picture was taken in black and white. I know, I know what we're talking about. So yeah. I would definitely recommend that book. It's called The Great Jazz Drummers. I'm assuming they can get it on your site or yep. – it's available. E- okay. I believe it's available ebook version as well on our site or howleonard.com. Cool. Or you can get it on Amazon. It should be everywhere. That's that, that shouldn't be out of print because that's one of our all time favorites. Awesome. Perfect. What is your pick of the week, my friend? My pick of the week is a follow up. Probably a couple of months back, I, I chose the Gibraltar quick release hi hat uh, collection. Okay. And then, yeah, yeah, I remember uh, that. Our friend Buck August emailed me yeah. and he said, have you ever tried the Remo Quick Lock Hi-Hat Clutch? And I hadn't. And he actually ordered one and sent it to me. So <laughs> special <laughs> thanks to Buck. a <laughs> boy, Buck. <laughs> Good man. But it's cool. I mean, it does the same sort of thing. It has like a, instead of having to unscrew the, the nut on the bottom, it just kind of twists on and locks. But what they did that, that Gibraltar didn't do was the area on the, on the shaft that's, that the symbol actually makes contact with is not threaded. So Buck pointed out that although neither he or I have had any problems with it, the Gibraltar could possibly lead to some symbol damage over time because the symbol is like rubbing on those threads. On the threads, okay. Um, This one doesn't have that. So it's unthreaded where the symbol meets the the actual clutch, but it's still super. It's not quite as um, sleek and easy to unlock as the Gibraltar, but it's still way better than having to unscrew those stupid bolts. So the remote. Now, even though. Even though you're fully endorsed by Buck August Inc., do you know how much that clutch would cost a normal human being? It's a musician's friend for like 21 okay. bucks or something like that. There you that. go. Perfect. It's probably even awesome, on Amazon man. for cheaper. It's the yeah, Quick Lock One Word Hi-Hat Clutch. You can get it for 21 37 on Amazon Prime. You can get it delivered nice. tomorrow for free. Oh, man. <laughs> man. It's cool. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I was I'm, about to order some more camp candles. I'll have to throw that on the order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nerd for little things like yeah. hi-hat clutches because they're when you get a bad one you're like damn this sucks like when you have to actually use the the upper half of the the lock to tighten the cymbal on or you had a gig and all of a sudden your pedal's not working it drives me insane happens man all that time. that gap that happens in a normal hi-hat clutch where it goes like chikunga, 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 <laughs> as it's unscrewing I'm like oh you gotta be killing me <laughs> no not now all right buddy well uh, if you guys notice a rushed nature to today's podcast, it's just that I'm in the middle of a drum camp and we start Bingo. at 11 a.m. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, I am in the middle of a Mark Juliana, Dave Weckl <laughs> drum camp. Gretch sponsored. Gretch sponsored. <laughs> 
home studio Mike Dawson uh, camp that starts in six minutes. So that's why we're getting out of here. You guys, thank you so much for all the support. Uh, Mike and I have been sharing some of the comments that you guys are making on the on iTunes and stuff back and forth because we're just so appreciative to all of that stuff. We don't take you guys listening to this podcast on a weekly basis. We don't take it for granted at all. And if you can, let more people know about it. I mean, it's now it's time for binging. We've got 57 episodes in the can. So if you just find us or you turn us on to a drummer buddy, that person can just go deep down the rabbit hole. 60 hours of content. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> and some of it's been recorded four times in a row. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a great day. We'll see you soon. Brother Mike, later, buddy. See ya. Brother Mike. There you go. There you go, Pastor.